kid, I loved, 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 loved special occasions. I like lived for the weekends. I didn't live for the weekdays. I lived for the weekends. The weekdays were just things to get through so I could get to Saturday and Sunday. Um, uh, I loved holidays, loved Thanksgiving, loved Christmas. I really, really loved Christmas. And I would think about Christmas for like a month and I would think about what I was going to get and think about what we were going to do in the activities and, and where we'd go and think about being off of school. And, you know, a lot of times like right before Christmas, I wouldn't sleep for nights. I was so excited about Christmas. I, a lot of times, like if it was December 1st and I would think about Christmas, I would just think about all all the days between the 1st and the 25th is just days to get through, right? So I could get to Christmas. That's what I was excited about. When, there was a, when I was in school and there was a school break coming up, uh, I didn't really care about going to school between then and the break. I just wanted to get through school so I could get to the break. I always liked the special occasions. We had a, we had a cabin up in the mountains in, in Big Bear, and, and we'd go up there a lot on the weekends. Whenever we'd go up on the weekends, I'd be so excited. If it, was, if it was Tuesday and I was in class, I wouldn't be thinking about class or thinking about my test. I just, I'll admit I was one of those kids. I was just like, oh, I can't wait for Friday, because Friday afternoon when I get home, we pack our bags and we go up to the mountains. Or We lived really close to Disneyland. And you'd think like when you go to Disneyland a lot, you'd get tired of Disneyland, but I never ever got tired of Disneyland. And I never ever slept the night before we went to Disneyland. I would always like think about, okay, what's the first ride we're going to go on? You know, then what's the ride after that? And, and I loved all those things. And really as a kid, I look back and I realize I didn't, I didn't care a whole lot about the in-between times. I just liked the big celebrations. I didn't care about the days between, you know, Monday and the weekend. I just cared about the weekend. Uh, I didn't really care about, you know, like the time between um, classes and spring break. I just wanted spring break. Or I remember my senior year, um, just the entire year and in college as well. Like all I could think about all year was graduation. Just, just got to get through the year. Just got to get through this and, and get to graduation. Or, or when my wife and I got engaged, I remember thinking we had a four-month engagement. I thought, why does it have to be four months? Why can't it be four days, you know? Why can't we just get right to it? you know, and that, that's always kind of the way I've been. And I would say this, that there's, there's nothing wrong with special occasions. Nothing wrong with that. Special occasions can be these, these great times in our life to make memories and to celebrate what God's done. But what I've learned over the years is that sometimes the, the in-between times um, hold more meaning than the special occasions do. And oftentimes in life, it's the, it's the day-to-day stuff. It's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday that make Saturday and Sunday special as they are. What I want to share with you this morning is a message that, uh, you know, sometimes um, when I preach week in and week out, I kind of get in this, this um, kind of routine. Writing a sermon week after week requires certain things, and, and it requires a lot of focus, and there's only so much time to spend in a passage. But, but what I want to share with you this morning is a passage that God really, really began to impress upon my heart in the, the first part of March. And a passage that uh, God kind of instilled in my brain when I was in when I was with our team in Nicaragua, and and all these months since, kind of I've just been thinking about this and meditating on this. And so, what I want to share with you this morning are just some of the gleanings, and it's all just from one passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter five, and uh, I want to begin just by reading that for you this morning. I'm going to read it kind of slow because this is a very very power packed um, couple of verses. Paul's writing to to the church in Ephesus, and and by extension, he writes to us today. And he has these words for us. He says, look carefully then how you walk, or we could say how you live. 
In your notes, what I've done is your, the, the passage is in the ESV, but in the parentheses is um, some words from the NIV, and I've done that, and I'll explain why, but because no single translation does justice, I think, to a few of the words in here, so I'm using several translations. Be very careful, then, how you walk or, or how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, or we could say making the most of every opportunity. And here's why. Because the days are evil. And therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's the big idea I've really extracted out of this, out of this passage over the last few months. And that is that really life is more about the seasons than the special occasions. And hopefully by the end of the sermon, you'll understand what I mean by that. When we look in the passage I want to notice just several things that Paul points out to us. If we want to be these, these kind of people who get the most out of every day, out of every season of life. And the first is this. The, the, the Word of God encourages us in, in many places to be those who evaluate our lives or who evaluate our walk. In fact, what he says in this passage is this. He says, look very carefully then at how you walk or in some of your translations, how you live. Those, those are both really good words, I think for what he's trying to say here. So let's just look at a couple words here. First of all, he says, I want you to look. So when he says to look, what he means is, I want you to open your eyes. So first is the physical thing. I want you to open your eyes and I want you to look at the people in your life. I want you to look at the person you're sitting next to. I want you to look at the person that you're married to. If you have kids, I want you to look. Take a look at your kids. When's the last time you really looked at them? When's the last time you looked at a neighbor or looked at a coworker or looked at a, a friend of yours? When did you really look at them? And then he says this, to not just look at them, but that word look also means to perceive or, 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 or to beware of. And so what he's saying is, as you look at people, I don't want you just to use your eyes, which is a good start, right? But I want you to use your mind as well. I want you to look and I want you to perceive. Here's a question. When you look at your life, what do you see? When you look at the people around you, what do you see? When you look at the opportunities around you, what do you see? And what he's assuming here is that some of us don't see anything because we're not looking. We're not perceiving. So he says, stop running so fast. Stop taking things for granted. And stop what you're doing and look and perceive. In fact, what he says is, do it carefully. Now, the word carefully means accurately or diligently or circumspectly. It's a good word. Or precisely, right? So so I want you to look at the things around you precisely. I want you to look circumspectly. That means to, to, to be thoughtful about it. Now, what am I supposed to look circumspectly at? Well, he says that how you walk... Or how you live. Now, either one of those words are a good translation here for the the word in the Greek. It it has the idea, sometimes the word is translated as to walk or to walk about or to roam. But sometimes this word is translated as conduct or behavior. Because the the idea here is, um, it's the idea that you, you walk through life or you walk through your day step by step by step. And so what he says is, I want you to kind of examine your life each step. Examine your life each conversation. Examine your life each expense. Examine your life each appointment. Take, take a good, careful look at the way you're living right now. He doesn't say, take a careful look at how you're going to live. Take a careful look at next week or next month or next year. Although the Bible has some things to say about that, that's not what he's talking about here. Take a look at how you're walking right here and right now. Take a look at your relationships today. What relationships has God given you today? Have you taken a close look at your schedule and how you're spending your time? Have you taken a close look at your finances and how you're spending your money? Have you taken a close look at your job if you have one and how you're doing it and how you're pursuing it? What's your attitude towards your kids? 
How are you pursuing your decisions in life? He says, I want you to do this carefully. So don't just run from one thing to the next. Don't just take these things for granted. Stop and take a careful look at your life. What opportunities has God given you today? What responsibilities has he put on your plate? What abilities and resources has God given you? Look carefully. For some of us, we could just really stop right here because it's been a while since we looked carefully at how we live. Now, now I, I see this because sometimes we can get in what I'm calling kind of a special occasion mentality where we just kind of on our calendar, we have these big events and we always focus on those instead of just how I'm walking today. And for me, this really kind of came... Um, clear to me about my tendency to do that. Back in the beginning of March, I went with a team of people from Gateway and, and from up in Shelton to uh, Nicaragua. And um, we spent a couple weeks down there. And I, this is the third time I've gone. And every time that I go to Nicaragua, it really requires me to carefully look at my life. I, I need to kind of, I need to make commitments. So in order for me to go to Nicaragua, I have to carefully look at my calendar and uh, it was right before Easter, so I kind of had to think about my calendar and talk to the staff and talk to my family. Could we do this? Could we pull this off? So there's some real thought put into that. I had to look carefully at my finances. I had to look carefully at my Spanish, which barely exists, and, you know, think about that. I had to think carefully about packing and what will I pack and what will I not pack. And, and I think a big part of it was I, I had to really take a look at my heart. And I had to take a look at my, my body and decide, am I ready? Am I prepared to go? And I decided in many ways I wasn't. So I spent a lot of time focusing and preparing my heart and preparing my life to be able to go. And, and then when I got to Nicaragua, I began to kind of realize this. It struck me one day, as I'm going around and, and with our team and, and ministering, I realized I kind of have this special occasion mentality about going to Nicaragua. I, I kind of look at Nicaragua. I lift the trip up on a pedestal. I, I, I put time and energy and effort into it that I often don't put in to my everyday life. Um, I, I think about this because in order to go to Nicaragua, I have to travel to a different part of the world and I have to travel by a mode of transportation that I'm not extremely fond of. And so, you know, it takes a commitment and getting up in the airplane and sitting in airports and, and, and being there. It's, there's something about being around people who speak a different language, who live in a different culture, who have different experiences. For me, I, I want to get to know them. I want to know how they think. I want to know how they feel. I want to know how I can bless them. And it's challenging because I don't really speak the language well. And so in order to minister to them, um, it takes a lot of work. Um, sometimes it takes an interpreter or it takes a lot of sitting and just talking and, and takes, you know, digging ditches and working beside them and all of that. And, and uh, because I really want to get to know them. And, and what I realized when I was in Nicaragua was that I think my attitude towards the Nicaraguans is absolutely appropriate because God loves them and God cares about them and God wants us to reach out to them. But here's the thing I was convicted about. I, what I realized was this. I don't know that I'm as dedicated to the people I see almost every day as I am to people I only see once a year. I mean, it really struck me in my everyday relationships, in my everyday opportunities, in my everyday responsibilities. You think about it this way. Of the 7 point, I think it's 7.1 billion people now that live on the earth, God has placed in each one of our lives a small group of people. We call that an oikos, right? Oikos is a Greek word which means household or extended household. The Greeks used it back in Jesus' day. And if you said, who lives in your oikos or your household? They wouldn't just name the people who lived under their roof, but they would refer to people with whom they had a loving, influential relationship. Today, we, we think about that. Um, studies say that the average American has anywhere from 8 to 15 people 
that we have loving, influential relationships with, that's our oikos. And of the 7.1 billion people on the face of the earth, I have to believe that the 8 to 15 people in my world have been placed there by God for a reason. And that reason is not to be ignored. And that reason is not to be taken for granted. God wants me to give them my very best every single day. And I began to think, what would happen if I put the same amount of time and energy and effort in prayer and the people in my little circle as I did the people that I go to see once a year in Nicaragua? What if I did that with my wife, with my kids, with my oikos? What if I prepared to be with them the way I prepare to be with the Nicaraguans? What if I fasted and prayed for them? What if I rearranged my schedule for them? If I tried to learn, you know, their language and their way of communicating? If I went out of my way to be where they are and to understand them and determine their needs and look for ways to serve them? What if I did that? What if you did that? What if you did that with your husband and with your wife, with your kids, with your friends? What if you did it with your enemies? What if you gave them as much effort and love and energy as you give maybe to those special occasions in life, imagine what God could do through us. And that's really what he's saying here in Ephesians. Look carefully at how you walk right now today. So we look carefully. And then what do we do? He says this. We need to be those who engage in those times of life. Or I'm going to put it this way. Who learn to engage in each season that God gives us. Now I get this idea from uh, the passage here in verse 16 where he says this. He encourages us to make the best use of the time, or some of your translations say, the best use of every opportunity. Now, those are both good words, time or opportunity. The, the Greek word there is the word kairos, and it, it means technically a limited period of time marked by characteristic circumstances. So here's another way I'd put it. It's a season. It's an opportunity. It's a limited time offer from God. I like the word season because I think it's very biblical and I think it's kind of what he's getting at here. What he's saying is this. God gives all of us unique seasons of life. And those seasons in life, they vary in length. Sometimes a season lasts for just a day. Sometimes a season may last for a week or for a month or for a year or for a decade, you know, or maybe a couple of them. Different seasons varying in length. And our, life, our, our lives are full of these unique seasons and opportunities that are made up of, of things like our relationships, right? Because we have unique seasons of relationships, don't we? Relationships change as, as well they should, and they develop. Uh, we have seasons of education. We have, uh, hopefully, vocational seasons. We have different seasons with our oikos because that changes. We have different seasons with our health and what we're capable of doing, different seasons of, of resources and how we can serve people. And I believe that God places us in each one of those seasons for a reason. He has purposes for them. And this idea of these different seasons in life is very biblical. We see it all over Scripture. Maybe one of the most uh, obvious ones that we see is in the book of Ephesians. Um, Solomon's writing, and he says this. He says, there is a, there's a time for everything and, and a season. So a season means it doesn't last forever. It's just for a short time. And there's a season for every activity under heaven. And he names some of them. He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Neither one of those lasts forever. They're small seasons in life. Uh, there's a time to plant. And there's a time to, to harvest or uproot. There's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down. And he says there's a time to build. There's different seasons in life. There's a time or a season to weep. And there's a time to laugh. They don't, they don't last forever. Sometimes we, we, can, we cry. Sometimes, we, he says later, we mourn. And there's a time to dance. Uh, there's a time to scatter stones. And there's a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace. 
and there's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. There's a time or a season to keep and a time, I like this one, a time to throw away. There's always a good time for that. There's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And then we could add to the list because this wasn't meant to be exhaustive. We could say uh, for many of us in life, there's a time to uh, be under our parents' authority and there's a time that we don't have to be under their authority anymore. There's a time to be single and for some of us, there's a time to be married and then there may be a time, again, to be alone. There's a time to be in school and hopefully, thank God, there's a time to not be in school anymore, right? But it's just a season. School may feel like it's forever, but it's not. It's just a season. There's, uh, for many of us, a time for a career. And then there's time uh, with to, to not have a career. There's a season, for many of us, there's a season of raising children. And then there will be a season uh, that we don't have to raise children anymore. There's a season of hard work. And then there are seasons of, of rest. And here's what he says with each one of these seasons. Right? He says, make the best possible use of them. What, what, whatever one you find yourself in. He's, don't, don't think to yourself, I wish I was in another season. I can't wait to get to the next season. I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait till we have kids. I can't wait till we don't have kids. I can't wait till I have a job. I can't wait till I don't. Don't live like that. Live in the now is what he says. Make the best use of right now of the season that you're living in. And that, that idea of making the best, in the Greek it means to redeem something or to secure something for yourself or to rescue it from loss or misapplication. So what he's saying is this, don't waste your time. Right? Don't misapply it. Don't miss a season. Don't miss an opportunity. Make the very most of it. Leverage it for all of its potential. And here's why. Because you're going to have it for a while, and then you're not going to have it. It's only for a limited time. Now, one of the things in, in my job that I get to do is I get to hear lots of stories. And um, uh, recently, in fact, back in the, I guess back in the fall, um, I had a young woman in our church come and talk to me. We were kind of talking about this, this season issue. And uh, I asked her if I could share a story, and she said, yes, I just can't say her name. So I'll say everything else but her name for her. So, um, but anyways, she's a young woman in our church, um, and she's in a season of life where, um, first of all, she's married. Uh, she has a great husband. Um, they have a great marriage, but she's, that's a big part of her life. She also has a young daughter. So again, big part of her life. So her season is made up of, of her marriage. It's made up of her, of her daughter. Uh, she has friends. She has hobbies and other things that she does. And then she has a job. And her job is that she's a doctor. And uh, that is not just her job. That is her ministry. And she has a very compassionate heart for people. And she loves to, to minister. That's her gifting. Now, now, you can imagine some of you have jobs like this where when you go home, you're not really done with your job if you love your job. And so if, if you're a doctor and you really love people and your job is to help bring healing to people and to figure out what's wrong with their body and you're compassionate that way, then you can imagine when you go home, you probably don't stop doing your job, do you? It would be easy for uh, healing to just absolutely take over your whole life. Um, and for many doctors, that's exactly what it's done. And some of you probably can relate to that because you have jobs that are a little bit like that. So, so anyways, in the fall, she came and we talked a little bit about her life and the seasons of her life. And what she realized is this. She is in a unique season of life. A season that, you know, she's got her husband, who she loves. She's got her young daughter, who she loves very much. But she realizes her daughter's growing up. And her daughter will not be this age forever. And she will move on. And this is a, this is a unique time to develop a relationship with her. And so the decision that she made was that she needed to cut back on her job. 
And as we talked a little bit about that, I asked her, like, you know, how will that work? If you go to your boss and you say, I'm going to cut back on my hours, will that, will that cost you? Um, well, you know, I know it'll cost you financially, but will it cost you career-wise? And will, it, will it limit you in the future? And, and she didn't know, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because right now she's in this season and what matters is she wanted to make the most of this season. How will the decisions that she makes in this season impact the next season? That's not the important thing. Right now the important thing was to live in this season and so that's what she did. She went, she cut back on her hours. In fact, a couple weeks later, I saw her her husband. I asked him like, how's it going? And he just had this big smile on his face, you know? And he said something like, this has been awesome. I wish we had done this a while ago. And that, that's what happens when you, when you determine the season that you're in and when you, when, you, when you make those adjustments. Because see, those seasons, they only last for a short amount of time. And what this young woman did is she looked and she decided, what season am I in and what do I have to do to make the very most of that season, right? And God has blessed her and her whole family for that. But here's why it's a challenge. Here's why it's kind of difficult to do. He says this because the days are evil, all right? We live in evil days. And that word uh, in, the, in the Greek means evil, and it means wicked. But here's something really interesting about this word in the Greek. It's also translated at times as slothful, or as inactive, or as lazy. And now that's really an interesting word when you think about it. Uh, in fact, Jesus told a parable, told a story about a, a very rich man, and he was going to go on, on a trip, And before he left, he had a lot of wealth. And so he called three of his employees and he said to them, I'm going to give each of you a a large amount of money and I'm going to entrust it with you while I'm gone. Now you have to understand, this this is a gift. He's giving them an opportunity to do something that they could never do on their own. I'm going to give you this money, he says, and and I want you to go out and, and make the best use of it. So he gives the money, he gives them this opportunity. See, this this could make or break their career. So anyways, the first guy goes out and he invests the money that his master gives and he doubles it. And the second guy goes out, he had a different amount of money and he invested it and he doubled it. But the third guy who had also a different amount of money, he took it and he buried it in the ground and then he went out and just lived his life however he wanted. And then when his boss came back, he dug up the money and he handed it to his boss. And this is what his boss said. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Now that word wicked That's the exact same word in the Greek that we find there in Ephesians when it says the days are evil, right? And so what he's saying is this. Jesus is warning us through the story. And now Paul is warning us through Ephesians. Watch, same message. Don't be that guy who wastes the opportunities that God gives you. This guy wasted an opportunity to do something great and to make a difference. And what we're being told in Ephesians is that God has given every one of us unique opportunities that just last for a short amount of time. They're here and then they're gone. That's true in our relationships. We have different seasons in our relationships. And once they move on, they're gone. We have different seasons in terms of our abilities. We have the ability to do things for a while, and then we don't have the ability sometimes to do those things. We have unique uh, uh, time opportunities that God has given us, unique blessings. Here's what he's telling us in Ephesians. Don't bury these opportunities. Don't waste them. Don't just wait for the special occasions in life to make the most of what you're doing. Do it every day. Seasons are a limited time offer from God. So we need to make the most of everyone, not just the special occasions. So, So don't just wait until Father's Day to tell your dad 
how much you love him and appreciate him. Don't, don't wait, parents, until graduation to tell your kids that you're proud of them. Don't, don't be a person who neglects their family for 50 weeks out of the year and works and works and works and then thinks they're going to make up for all of it by having a two-week blowout vacation. Don't just live for the special occasions. Make the best use. Leverage every single day because there is, there is so much at stake in your world. There's so much going on. I mean, who's going to be salt and light in your world today when you go home? Who's going to do that? Who's going to speak truth in the places that you go tomorrow? Who's going to share the gospel with the people in your neighborhood, with the people you work with, the people in your family? Who's going to do that? God God has given you the opportunity to do it right now because you understand these seasons are short and they will not last forever and those opportunities will be gone to demonstrate God's love. So he says, leverage this. Make the most of the opportunity that God has given you today. And how do we do that? Well, he says this. We discover God's will for us. Now, we are preparing to do a series um, on questions and answers. And so many of you have been writing out questions that you'd like to hear us answer in sermons that we're going to do this summer. And I think one of the questions that that we're getting asked more than anything else is, how do I discover God's will? So I'm not going to give you all the answers this morning, but we are going to kind of scratch the surface a little bit because what he says is this. Do not be foolish. God has given every one of us some unique opportunities or seasons in life, right? So don't be a fool with the opportunities that God has given you. But understand, understand what the will of the Lord is. So the opposite of wise living is foolish living. Foolish living is where I treat each day as an entitlement. Where I say, you know what? This day is owed to me by God. And I can do whatever I feel like doing today because I'm entitled to it. And I can do, you know, I can just go wherever the wind blows or wherever my agenda, you know, wants me to, wherever the circumstances take me or my feelings take me or the, the weather takes me or whatever happens to be on, on TV today. And he says, you know what? Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish with your opportunities and your time and your relationships. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And that, that word will, when he talks about the will of the Lord, it means resolve or purpose. Uh, we think of it as sovereign design. And the idea is this. God has purposes for your life. And God has purposes, not, not just for tomorrow or next month or next year or when you get to heaven. Do you know that God has a purpose for your life in this season right now? And when this service is over, God has a sovereign design for your life. And when you go home today, God has purposes for your life for this season right here and right now. So don't wait. Don't be foolish. Seek out the will of the Lord. So you ask God, God, what do you want to do in this season of my life? What should be the priority in this season of my life? How much time should I be giving my kids? How much time should I give my job? How much time should I give myself? We ask those hard questions. What do I do with this relationship, Lord? What's your will? For this semester of school, what's your will for, you know, I'm on summer break now, right? Well, I'm not, but some of you are. And a lot of times you think, well, I worked hard for this and I deserve this. Did you know that when you're on summer break, God has a will for your life? Did you know that when you go on vacation and some of you will have vacations this summer, right? Did you know that God has a will? That that's going to be a season that God wants to use you in? So we don't have this entitlement mentality. We understand that to, that to live is, is really to die to Christ. And that he now runs, he rules our life. So this season of your marriage, this season of parenting, this season of your career, this season financially and, and with opportunities to serve, you ask, God, what is your will for this part of my life? 
So what do we do? A couple of suggestions. First of all, on a regular basis, just stop what you're doing and ask the question, God, what season is this? Now, for me, this is kind of a regular thing. I do it almost every single day. I do it when I journal at the end of the day. Not every day, but usually probably about five days out of the week. At the end of the day, I stop what I'm doing, slow down, and I write. One of the great things about writing is I can't write nearly as fast as I can think or as I can talk. So it slows me down. And as I slow down, I start to think about my day. And this is what happens to me a lot of times as I'm, as I'm thinking about my day. I'll write down, well, this happened, and she said this, or he did this. And as I'm writing it, and I'm writing it slowly, I start to think, wait a minute, why did that happen? And I'll start to realize, well, God was trying to do something in that moment. God was trying to say something. Sometimes I'll look and go, that was awesome, God. You did a great thing there. Sometimes I'll look and go, oh, I missed it. I missed it. Now I need to follow up on that. But we regularly discern what's the current season that we're in. We look carefully at our life. Right? Because you understand that seasons change. And sometimes they'll change so imperceptibly if we're not paying attention. Has this ever happened to you that a month down the road you look back and go, whoa, when did that change? When did he grow up? When did that happen? Right? And so we don't want to miss the seasons as they change. So we, we, we pay attention. We ask God, what do you want to do right now? God, what, what do you want to do in this relationship right now? What, what season are we in in our marriage right now? What about my education? What about my job? Well, what season is this in terms of my health and my church and my oikos? And, and ask someone who knows you well. Because right? the people around us, and I found this, I can usually ask people around me, what season do you think I'm in right now? My wife, she can answer that really easy. My kids love to answer that question for me, you know? What season are we in right now? Oh, we're in Dairy Queen season, Dad. We need to go right now, yeah? But ask the people around you, you know? Ask them, what season am I in? So we, we, we discern our current season. Don't just, you know, don't just think, well, I did this six months ago, right? Seasons change. So always be discerning. And the second thing is this, just seek God's wisdom. Don't assume that you know what God's will is for your life. Ask him, how can I make the most of this season? God, how do I make the most of this opportunity? What, what deserves the most of my time right now? Because again, that will change over the years. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, right? He should ask of God who gives generously and, and, and to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. So we can ask God. We go to God and ask, God, I need some wisdom. I, I need some wisdom with my child right now, in my marriage, with my job, with my finances. And he loves to give us the answer. He may answer us as we read the, the word of God. He may answer us as we're sitting in a sermon and, and, and listening to the word of God be preached. He may answer it through a conversation with a friend. There's a lot of ways that God may answer us, but if we ask him for wisdom, he'll give us wisdom. And then the third thing is this, then we respond. We just arrange our life around what God has revealed to us. And see, I say this because so often our will, and maybe you've noticed this, but our will tends to be different from God's will, just just in general. Like, for instance, our will generally gravitates towards pleasure. Just in general, humanity, when we have to make a decision, we usually gravitate towards what would be the most pleasurable route. Most of us don't say, I want to take the hard route. I want to take the difficult route. Most of us go, I want the fun route. But God's, God's will is much different. God's will is, is for our holiness. God's will is for our sanctification. God's will is that we become like Jesus in our character. Now, you know as well as I do that oftentimes that's not going to be the same path as, as pleasure. Now, sometimes it is, but often it's not. We know, for instance, our will is often control. We like to be in control of things. But God's will is trust. 
that we learn how to trust him in every situation. We know often our, our will is, is all centered around me, but God's will for us is always centered around us. See, here's what I've noticed. God is not enamored with me. Never has been, never will be, all right? God really, though, loves us. And he doesn't have a plan for me isolated from us. His plan for me is always about us. His plan for you is always about the people around you. His plan for us as a church is not just about those of us in this room or those who were here last night. His plan for us is about us outside of this room as well. It's about the people that we rub shoulders with who who don't know Jesus Christ, who need the gospel, who need the love, who need the demonstration. His will, and so our will is always so much about me, but his will is about us. So that's where we seek the will of God. Our will is often about, you know, what can I get people to do for me? Where God's will is about what can we do to serve other people? Our will is often about building our own kingdom and our own life, but the will of God is always about building the kingdom of God, about the, the bride of Christ, about the church. So often our, our, our goal is about how can we please people where God says what we need to be focused on is pleasing and honoring him. See, making the most of each season isn't just, isn't just living for the weekend. You know, it's not just going, oh, how am I going to get through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday of this week? Because it's going to rain all week, right? But it's going to be nice next weekend, you know? So that's not what it means to make the most of every season. To make the most of every season says, how can I make the most of Monday and Tuesday and whatever day I happen to be in? right? Not just living for summer break, not just getting that job or the new job or retired or married or kids or not having kids, but making the most of every season that we are in at the moment. And so what, the, the, what Ephesians says is don't waste these seasons, right? Discern what they are. Make whatever changes you have to make to, to, to revolve your life around them. And, and, and here's why. Because that's always where you experience God. You never experience the power of God, the working of God, the blessing of God, the grace of God when, you, when you're like, well, I can't wait for the next season, God, so I'm just going to wait until that season. And I'm just going to try to get through today. So we don't experience the grace and the power and the working of God when, when we're like, well, I'll get into it later. We experience the grace and the power and love of God when we're walking with God in that very moment. So we say to God, where are you working now? And how do I follow you? And, and seasons change. And I, and I know that for some of us at times, um, some seasons are um, going from one to the next is fun. You know, we love it. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it requires a lot of adjustment. When I was thinking about uh, changing seasons uh, over the last few weeks, I was thinking a lot about my wife and our family. Just thinking back um, over the last 20 years of our life, um, in fact, the last 25 years, when we first got married, we were both students. And so for those of you who have been in that situation where you're both students, that's a season of life. It's a season of absolutely zero money and a very small apartment on Powell in uh, Portland and scary living and walking most places, right? And then there came a season where we both had jobs. Now, you could just imagine going from basically, I had a part-time job and we're both going to school to suddenly we're both out of school and we both have full-time jobs. Now, that was a different season of life. Two jobs, no mortgage, no kids. That's a different season of life. And then we had a season, um, actually, when we came here. And it was a big change of seasons for us. I changed jobs from a youth pastor to what I do now. I, I took a cut in pay, and my wife 
quit her job as a teacher because our first child was born basically the day we came here. So we made a really big, we went from no mortgage to mortgage, from two incomes to one income, and from a, from a two-person you know, family to three really quick. And that was a new season of our life. And so for my wife, she decided, we decided that she wouldn't teach for a while and she would focus on the kids and, and, and that, that aspect. And then about a year and a half later, our second child came and that was a, another bit of a change, a new season for us. And it was only about two months after that that our firstborn was diagnosed with a chronic kidney disease. And that dramatically changed our season. Lots of time in the hospital, lots of time with doctors, um, with his immune system issues. Um, there was a season where my wife and my kids would often not leave the house for weeks at a time. That was a, that was a new season in our life. We had a third child, and then when it came time for our kids to start into school, and I know some of you have been through this, right? So you're like, well, we want to we discern God's will, so should we do public school? Should we do private school? Should we do homeschool? So God made that really super easy for us because uh, our kids could not be in public school or in a public setting because of some health issues, so it was homeschooling for us. That was dictated by God. We didn't have to make the decision. Uh, people asked, how did you decide that? We said, we didn't. You know, God decided that for us. Now, thankfully, my wife had been a teacher, so it was a pretty easy transition for her. Well, that's easy for me to say. As a transition for her, and she taught the kids, and that, that, don't tell her I said that. That went on for a while, and then we kind of reached this point after a few years where things were doing a little bit better, and we entered into a cooperative kind of thing. There were some other parents who were also homeschooling their kids, and we kind of cooperatively taught kids for a while, and until all of that um, came to this year. So this last school year was a new season for us. Our oldest uh, was attending WSU Vancouver. Our middle child was attending Clark College and um, River Homelink. And our youngest daughter was a freshman at Washougal High School. We were in three different schools. It was like carpooling, a very interesting situation. And because we have a tuition this year and two tuitions next year for college, my wife decided uh, that she would look into going back to school and she got a part-time job teaching kindergarten. So you could just imagine this was a, this was a really big change in seasons for us. And it was, it was a difficult change in a little ways to have everyone going in different directions and, and to have my wife suddenly teaching. But here's what I'll tell you about this. As, as, as tough as it was, um, it was also an unbelievable blessing as we look back on the school year's done now. Because not only did my wife get a paycheck, which um, that was a big part of the reason that she did it, because tuition isn't cheap. Um, but she got so much more than that. She went to a school, and you just have to know my wife, but my wife loves kids, and she just has a connection with kids that is amazing. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm her husband. I'm saying that because parents tell her that all the time. So she goes into this um, Title I school, and she's working with these kids, like 27, 28 kindergarten students in whom this year she poured her life and the love of God and she made such a huge difference in the life of those kids. See, and what she did was it, was, it was a difficult transition to be in this new season, but that's where God was working and that's where God was changing lives and, that, and that's where the power of God was. And now we're in this new season of summer, right? And it, again, she'll tell you, it's kind of difficult to like, to, to, for those of you who are teachers to say goodbye to your kids and not know if you'll see them again, and to go into a new season. But again, this is a new season for us. And so we're embracing that and figuring out what that means. And that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. Whatever season you find yourself in, throw yourself into it. Don't look back and go, I wish I was back there. 
Don't look ahead and go, I can't wait till I'm there. Just look at the season today. Identify it and say, I'm going to make the most of this. Now, I say that because, um, like I said, for some of you, this is a great season. It's an easy season. It's a fun season. For some of you, you're in a season of life that you didn't pray for, that you didn't want, that you didn't ask for. Um, uh, a member of our church, uh, Mark and, and his family who go here, uh, Mark was diagnosed uh, recently with cancer. Uh, probably not something he prayed for or had hoped for. Um, and he began chemotherapy this week. And uh, I was, I think it was Monday, I was chatting with Mark on Facebook. And we were talking a little bit about his chemotherapy, um, knowing that this is going to be a long ride for him. And uh, this is what, this, I just want to read for you one of the things that he wrote for me on Facebook. He wrote this. Um, I've been an emotional roller coaster this past week. Um, but when all is said and done, I am living my life today like it is my last. I believe it is what God wants. I've turned it all over to him, and it is what makes it worth getting up every day easier for me. And so I happened to be over on Wednesday where uh, Mark was at Compass Oncology, and so uh, I said, you know, I'm going to come over and visit you, and I'm going to bring like a little video camera with me, and I'm going to sneak it in and see what happens. And so I was over there, and I had my camera, and Mark and I talked for a while, and I just told Mark, you know, I, people just would rather hear you say it than hear me say it. And so I kind of went up to the camera. I was pretty sure they'd say no, but I said, you know, would it be okay if I turned my camera on? And they were like, sure, go ahead. Just, you know, don't, don't show anybody else because this is a large facility. They, they didn't want anyone else being shown. And so I'm going to show you you a quick little interview I did with Mark. I had to have the camera trained right on him. I'm not a video photographer, but I had it trained right on him. A um, couple things you need to know. Um, no one else, you, you can't see anyone else in the room for their anonymity. Also, just for some of you, if you're queasy, uh, you can't see that he's hooked up and receiving chemotherapy at that moment while he's talking. So, um, but he is. And so I just wanted you to watch this. This is quick. It's a little hard to understand, but uh, this is a visit that Mark and I had. So go ahead. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm here uh, getting some chemotherapy done. I have a nine-week chemotherapy treatment. Mm-hmm. I have three sessions uh, of uh, first week being five days, average five to six hours a day. Uh, two two days after that uh, per week, about a half hour to an hour a day, and uh, on, so on and so forth until it's complete, and then we'll get some scans to make sure that these things have chunked up and get me back to normal. So Mark, let me ask you, when, uh, when you first got your diagnosis um, and you really kind of thought things through, did it kind of maybe change the way you thought about just every day when you wake up? It did. Uh, it made me realize more and more that life is too short. And uh, I could wake up and I can sit on the couch and not get out of bed. But no way. I have kids to think about. I have a wife. I have a family. I have a beautiful God, green earth that he's given us. And mm-hmm. I'm going to cherish that. I'm going to cherish the moment every day. Yeah. Through and through. So I'm sure you're looking forward to when all this is done and you're doing better. But in the meantime, I mean, how do you feel about the time between now and then? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. I can't sit around and feel sorry for myself and have the always me. I'm going to live it to the fullest. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy my family, and I'm going to enjoy this life that God has given me. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Mark. Appreciate it. And, uh, my best wishes to everyone. Well, I share that with you because uh, 
it's, it's one thing to embrace a season that you enjoy and a season that you like, but it's kind of different altogether, isn't it? When it's maybe not something you would ask for or something that you would hope for, but that you would still have a heart that loves God, worships God, and that you want to embrace even that season, even that nine weeks of treatment. And uh, it's really, it's great to have Mark here with us this morning, worshiping with us, because I know that his heart is with God, and his desire is to make the absolute most of every single day. Not just say, you know, I can't wait till this is over, and, and then I can get back to life, but embrace God, embrace the season right here and right now. So Mark, thank you for sharing your testimony with us, and, and I want to pray for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>